When I committed here, I said I wanted to help continue the Duke legacy. I said I wanted to help Coach Iyer build the foundation. I said I wanted to leave a legacy of my own. I meant what I said. Same dynasty, new legacy. I'm not done yet. See you next year. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to Duke Basketball Roundup Emergency Podcast number 511. We have to get right into it. I'm your host, Sam Klein. I've got Jason and Donald here. Jason is home. Donald is somewhere where the internet doesn't work well enough for his camera to turn on. But Donald, say hi. Hi, I'm in Cancun. This is awesome, except for the internet. Everyone says that about Cancun. It's so crazy. Jason Evans, also here. Oh, man. What a what a day of Duke news. I mean, literally in the span of, I don't know, a half hour, we had two, arguably, perhaps the two biggest stories of the offseason. Like, boom, boom. It was crazy. Those two stories, in case you missed it, uh, if you haven't been on the internet, if today, if this is your first time on the internet today, two <laughs> things happened today that... <laughs> Started to be rumors, I think we can say last night. All right, and... wait, 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 hold on. Sam, I'm going to jump in first. I'm going to go ahead and say this. This is about to happen. I got word. Your, not, not, not mine. Okay, sources, sources. I, I got word uh, shortly after we got off the air with our podcast yesterday talking about Jeremy Roach, in which I had spoken extensively about Mackenzie Mbako. I got word that Duke and Mackenzie Mbako was was starting to come apart, starting to fall apart. I I literally, I, I barely believed the news. I checked with a few other people who, who know things. They were all like, "Really? I don't know. I don't know." And 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 I went to bed last night thinking, "Okay, this this story may not be true. I'm hoping it's not true." And then I woke up this morning and it was true. Uh, and I I'm, I apologize to all of you listeners that I did not clue you in on it. I didn't feel like it was sourced well enough or properly for me to talk about it on on an edition of the podcast until it happened <laughs> but but i don't it, let, let's talk about the other piece of news first sam because i think it's a way bigger story for duke so there are there are two pieces of news one as you mentioned is that mckenzie Mbako is actually mckenzie um back out of his commitment to duke uh he's he's available again he's getting out of his uh his national letter of intent or so we assume at the same basically at the same time kyle filipowski ACC Rookie of the Year, uh, non-consensus National Freshman of the Year because uh, Brandon Miller didn't uh, get arrested for bringing a gun to a murder, is coming back to school. So Kyle Filipowski is going to be a sophomore next year at Duke alongside Tyrese Proctor and Mark Mitchell and with a stellar freshman class that does not include Mackenzie Mbako. So you guys told me when we were preparing for this episode that we need to address these two stories separately. I think they are the same story because of how close they were uh, in terms of them going public. But I have acquiesced that we are going to talk about Filipowski first, and then we're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about Mbako. So that all being said, Kyle Filipowski is coming back to Duke for his sophomore season after averaging almost a double-double as a freshman, having one of the most remarkable freshman seasons, perhaps the most remarkable freshman season relative to expectations that any of us can remember. So, Jason Evans, what is your reaction to Kyle Filipowski announcing that he is coming back to Duke, as you all heard 
in his announcement video at the top of this show. So my reaction is, considering the fact that we we had a lot of tea leaves, a lot of hints, a lot of suspicion that this was going to happen with Kyle Filipowski, it was still like this unbelievable wave of euphoria for the entire Duke community when it was announced that Kyle Filipowski was returning to Duke. Because this is just a really rare thing. This is a guy who would have been a first-round draft pick. Most most people peg him sort of maybe late teens, early to mid-20s, but he would have been a first-round draft pick, and he's choosing to come back to school. That's just a really rare thing. Look, we've been sweating guys who are mid-second-round draft picks. Heck, DJ Stewart, we were sweating guys who went undrafted. Uh, so, Big of Al. Yeah, I, I, there have been a number of them. There Basically, are more of these, I think, than we would like to admit. Yeah, yeah. That, but to get a guy this highly touted, this accomplished, to come back for his sophomore year, it's something, frankly, Duke fans have never experienced in the one-and-done era. And I want to be clear about something. Do you guys, do either of you know, the last time an ACC Freshman of the Year, Kyle Filipowski, overwhelming ACC Freshman of the Year. Do you know the yes, last time the ACC Freshman of the Year returned for his sophomore season? I don't know the answer. Donald, do you? Folks, Donald might not be here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think the party overtook the internet in Cancun. Yeah. All right. So if Donald comes back, great. If not, you and I will have the conversation, Sam. All right. So I'll give you the answer. You ready? The answer is this, Olivier Hanlon at Boston College in 2013. It's been a decade. It has been a decade since an ACC freshman of the year returned to school. And the guy who does it is a player for Duke who led the entire country among all freshmen in double-doubles. He had 16 double-doubles last year, five more than any other freshman. I mean, wow. It is it is super amazing that we're getting this guy back. And I want to remind everyone of something. It was a little, I guess, two years ago, right around this time, a little less than two years ago, that Kyle Filipowski had the very auspicious honor of being the first recruit by John Shire as he wasn't head coach yet, but he was head coach First time since John Shire was announced as Duke's next head coach, the first recruit to commit to Duke in the wake of that was Kyle Filipowski. And at the time, we interviewed him and we spoke to him. And he said he loved the idea of being John Shire's first, and he had a great relationship with John Shire. And now he becomes the biggest recruit of the one-and-done era to return to Duke for their sophomore season. I love it. I'm so excited. By the way, he he was so attached to the John Shire story that he took John Shire's number – and to be totally honest, when you see him in a Duke uniform, he's got that same sort of neck shape that John Shire had. So uh, he's he's follow. I mean, he's, he doesn't exactly have the same game. He's he's a little bit more of a banger than than John Shire was. But otherwise, uh, you you can see a lot of the same uh, like intensity and and court smarts. And frankly, as we look ahead to next year, by the way, Jason, I, I should have added that. I, this has been sort of in the back of our mind the whole time, I think primarily because of that conversation that we had with him, where he was so forward about wanting to come to Duke because of the academic culture. And we know that he has a twin brother who's at Harvard. And so looking forward, I've kind of always 
like hoped that this was going to happen, but I didn't let myself believe until we get this announcement today. And now how much more excited do we have to be for next season where we thought, oh, Duke is getting back like Mark Mitchell, who was a starter and was, you know, a huge contributor on defense, had had a few like real highlight moments, but was really like kind of a role player as a start, like as much of a role player as you can be playing 30 minutes a game. He was last year. Iris Proctor, who really came on at the end of the season, but was not the star of the team. Kyle Filipowski was the star of the team last year, and he's coming back. This is not Mark Williams returning for a sophomore year. This is this is something way bigger than that. I don't know. You were talking, Jason, about about former ACC player or freshman of the year who have come back for their sophomore year. All the Duke guys who who have come back for sophomore years, like if, if we think about Luke Kennard or Grayson Allen or uh, any any of these Mark players, Williams Mark, and, and Mark, Mark Williams on that Mark list Williams, as well. Yeah. None of those guys, like those guys all had flashes as freshmen, but none of those guys were the star of the team as freshmen. Oh, right? absolutely not. Yeah. Grayson Allen had highlights freshman year. Mark Williams had highlights freshman year, but they were far from the stars. Kyle Filipowski was the best player on the team this year, and he's coming back, and that is such a rare thing these days. So uh, consider me like, I, I, I told you at the end of the season that I'm really happy about the state of the program. I'm very happy with John Shire's performance. Feels like the recruiting engine hasn't really missed a beat. Wow. Am I excited about the prospect for Duke next season? And I did see uh, prior to all of this becoming official that Jeff Goodman, uh, I don't even know where he writes anymore, but Jeff Goodman had tweeted out like, oh, I'm thinking about putting Duke number one in my in my top 25 for next year. And I was like, man, even if this does become true, like I, I, that seems like potentially an overreaction. I don't know, man. Sign me no. up. I train fully. I, I'm 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 driving the train here. I'm 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 extremely excited to see all these guys back next year. And look, we'll talk about the impact of not having Mackenzie and Baco. I think that the pieces that Duke has around Filipowski, Proctor, and Mitchell fit in really nicely with the games that they are bringing back. So I I could not be more excited with this development. Well, and and you're talking about not just flip but you know how many guys duke is bringing back and that's what makes you excited because we're we're we are for sure getting three starters back in proctor mitchell and flip and we may be getting four starters back if jeremy roach decides to come back i went and i looked you ready for a little bit of history lesson my friend i went and i checked to see when was the last time duke brought three starters three starters back it has been a long time sam it has been a very long time since duke brought back three starters it is 2013. Remember, I was talking about Olivier Hanlon at BC. The last time there was an ACC freshman of the year who returned 2013. The last time Duke returned four, three starters was 2013 when Mason Plumley, uh, Seth Curry, and um, uh, and Ryan Kelly all came back. Plus, we had Tyler Thornton and Josh Hairston and Quinn Cook, who'd all played significant minutes. You know, they'd started games here and there. So that 2013 was the last time Duke brought back this many starters. But it was that was a different era. We, we just weren't in the one-and-done era at that point. And, you know, really the one-and-done era, if you think, started with 2015 at Duke. Since then, it, you know, it's basically been bringing back maybe one starter, you know, one and a half or two. Like in 2017, we had Grayson Allen and Luke Kennard and, and Emil Jefferson, who'd been hurt, you know, the previous year. But Luke and Emil didn't start a ton of games. Other than that, it's pretty much been, you know, one, one and a half, and we're bringing back three, maybe four. It's it's just a huge deal. Hey, can we try and get Donald's thoughts, maybe? 
I, I would love to. Donald, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. And Jason, just to push back on your last part uh, statement, that one and done era for Duke started in 2010. We had Kyrie Irving in 2010-2011. We had Austin Rivers in 2011-2012. We had Jabari Parker in 2013-2014. Those that would I mean, the, if you're talking about the, the era of multiple guys leaving, then yes, we're talking about 2015. But here's the thing about Cal Filipowski. Cal Filipowski, when he comes back, is going to get probably preseason All-American nods. He's going to get votes for preseason player of the year, national player of the year. Definitely is the front runner for preseason ACC player of the year. When's the last time that's happened? I think it might be Jason Williams when he came back for his junior season in 20 in 2002. Like that, we're going back that far for a guy who con- was consistently one of the better players in the nation last year, one of the best freshmen in the nation last year. In fact, won a couple of freshman awards and is coming back for his sophomore year in a Duke uniform. That's it's been a long time since we've had that kind of euphoria and, and guys, I was on the plane when this happened. So uh, let me tell you, I had to kind of stifle my cheers here uh, because I didn't want to get thrown off of a plane at 35,000 feet. But I, I think when you talk about Cal Filipowski and what he brings to the table, it's a no brainer that he was the biggest recruit that we have coming in for next season, him coming back for a second year, which as you guys mentioned, he's, he mentioned on our show, he wanted to be more than uh, a one and done guy. Clearly, that was before he had the season that he had. But for him to stay true to that and kind of say, hey, I have unfinished business. I want to go for national championships. I want to go for all the accolades in the world. And in 2000, or in 2023 or 2024, the draft, the NBA draft is going to be weaker than it is this year. He has an opportunity to move from the late first round into a lottery pick. And maybe if he has all of these accolades that I just mentioned, maybe he's in the top 10 and top five. That's how big his ceiling is. And I think also, I'm just really, just in a selfish manner, I'm just super excited to see, you know, sophomore Kyle Filipowski and what he can do. What he's learned from this year, the, the times that he kind of struggled this year and from that grew into the player that he became, I'm really looking forward to a whole a whole another season of him doing that. So absolutely ecstatic for Kyle Filipowski coming back, not to mention with it with the with the other guys coming back all the other returning stars and possibly a jeremy roach adding that to the picture this team has the tools to really you know for the first time in the john shire era they can go for it they can go for it all not necessarily like yeah we're duke we we try to win every year but this is the team that can actually go for it and have the pressure and the expectations and let's see if they deliver i'm thinking about that development for filipowski and not just what he does next year at Duke, but positioning himself for the draft potentially after next season. And look, if he's coming back this year, I can't ever rule out that he's, you know, coming back for a junior year. But as we look ahead to the summer, they're going to, he's still on campus. If he's, you know, if he's in classes and stuff, uh, the, the team are all there for a few more weeks before finals. Then they all sort of go home in May and they'll come back to campus at some point, I think in June, to get into real off-season workout mode. And we talked about when, when we were when we were saying that, you know, Mitchell's coming back, Proctor's coming back. Here's the sort of stuff that they're going to be working on for next season. I think we talked a lot about Mitchell's uh, shot making and, and shot creation. But Jason, when we think about Kyle Filipowski, you know, on a on a stats level, 15 and 9 is pretty hard to to improve upon for a sophomore year. But we did see this year a number of 
places in his game where he needs to mature, not just at the college level, but to prepare for the NBA. So when you look ahead at his sophomore year, what kind of news and leaks do you want to hear from the summer about Kyle Filipowski in the weight room, on the basketball court, working on defense, working on footwork? What what are you most excited to hear that he's doing over the summer? So a couple things. I, I sort of identified four areas that I that I feel like I, I'd like to see Kyle work on over the summer. And and it is worth noting there are some hints that we've heard that Kyle may have a little bit of a of an injury situation right now. Um, in fact, there there's some talk that maybe one of the reasons he made the decision he made was that it was going to be tough for him to do the right kind of draft workouts for NBA teams because he's, you know, it's not uncommon for these guys in sort of the late spring, early summer to, you know, if you got to, if, if there's something nagging a little bit, you may need to, to get a little work done on it. So I think we may hear about that from Kyle in, in just a, a little bit. So Jason, it was, what I've been hearing is that he was already leaning towards coming back. It was the injury that kind of made it, possible essentially like he was already it wasn't the injury that prompted him to think oh i should come back it was the injury that said oh well i'm already coming back so I, since i can't compete in these workouts i might as well just announce so uh so with that in mind I, I these are the sort of things that i said that i feel like i want kyle to to work on one is uh, the first one is a physical thing i want him to get stronger but i also want him to work on getting a little bit quicker he was pushed around a little bit in the post but I think to me, the bigger issue for Kyle is if he's going to play the four at Duke, which it looks like he is, if he plans to play the four or the power forward in the NBA, which is what he clearly is planning to do, he does need to get a little bit quicker. He needs to get a little bit better at moving his feet defensively, not getting into foul trouble. So that's number one. That's an obvious one. I think everyone can identify that. I'd, I'd like to see him work a little more in the post. He's a seven footer. He's going to have six, seven, six, eight, maybe six, nine guys guarding him pretty much all the time. He should abuse teams in the post a little bit more. He was good at that at Duke as a freshman. I want to see him do it even more now as, as a sophomore. Jason, let me interrupt you here just very quickly. You said that he's, he's mostly going to be playing against guys next year who are smaller than him, but he does have, assuming that he doesn't transfer Christian Reeves on the practice squad. And yes. so, so Christian Reeves can, you know, the the most value that he can bring to Duke next year is standing in the way while Kyle Filipowski works on post moves against him because Duke Duke has a appropriately sized, uh, you know, guy on the bench for him to practice against, and we don't know, right? If Reeves like doesn't expect, I think, to get much playing time next year, but I I guarantee you that if at the end of the season, Flip has become a really awesome down-low offensive big man. He will be crediting the work that he did with Christian Reeves behind the scenes for that. Uh, I'll also throw in the name Sean Stewart. I think Sean Stewart would be a great one for him to to work against, just someone who is, uh, who's also very physical and very athletic. So th that was the second thing, was getting a little more in the post. The third thing I have for Kyle Filipowski is, and this is going to seem weird, his usage rate last year was 28.8%. He took almost 20 he took more than 28 almost 29 percent of duke's shots when he was on the floor i'd like to see that lower a little bit i'd like to see him like he only averaged 1.6 assists per game i think teams are going to focus on kyle filipowski i want that assist rate to go up a little bit and i want his turnovers 
He averaged two and a half turnovers per game. If we can bring those turnovers down, even get it down just to two turnovers per game, I think that that will make a difference for Kyle Filipowski. And then the last thing, and this is another obvious one, everyone could see it. Kyle Filipowski took a lot of threes, only hit 28% of them last year. If, if he's truly going to become a NBA lottery pick, if he's going to become a guy who the NBA really sees as a you know, as a, as a potential future all-star, as a power forward, he's going to have to develop that outside shot a little bit better. He's going to have to find a way to hit well above 30%, hopefully more like 35% of his three-pointers, and I think he's capable of doing that. Jason, I'll make the, the outlook a little bit more dire. If he doesn't manage to shoot over 30% from three next year, he's going to have a very hard time sticking on an NBA team because power forwards in today's NBA – have to be able to shoot threes and and they have to be able to do it at least passably. So I I wonder even if as he's sort of making those priorities and look, I am sure that this is an ongoing conversation between him and John Shire and Emil Jefferson that he has to be a good shooter next year to to solidify his draft position. I don't think it's the difference between being a a starter and being an all-star in the NBA. I think it's the difference between like making an NBA roster and being a two-way player. Oh, I don't know if I'd go that dire because I think he has skills and and size and things like that that are going to assure that he's on an NBA team. But but I mean the bottom line is look, we're saying the same thing, which is that he's got to improve that three-point shot. He's got to get um maybe a little bit quicker at it to 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 really become the all the player he can be and and that's that's everyone's goal for Kyle Filipowski and it'll be good for Duke if that happens next year. <laughs> All right, so that's enough on Filipowski. We're going to take a quick break because we we honestly, like real time, just don't know what the status of Donald's internet is. Uh, if you're in Cancun, please, I don't know, don't rescue Donald. I, I feel like he's probably having a good time, but uh, maybe go hang out with him because that this is probably a sign that that good things are happening. I, I'm having a great, I'm having a great time. I'm having a great time, Bob, for this internet. So let's this get is... to let's get, take a break, and then we'll get to Mbako, and then maybe I have some things to say. Okay, well let's uh, let's take that break now. Then stick around. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down and for some getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about that's what better help is all about it's entirely online and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient flexible and suited to your schedule you just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime you want so if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. 
This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. We are back. And I guess for all the totally unexpected good news, there has to be some totally unexpected, maybe slightly bad news. Definitely bad. Uh, Duke was Duke fans were excited. We were excited when Mackenzie Mbako committed to Duke. We all committed to making sure we knew how to say his name exactly correctly. And we were having a great time watching his highlight videos. We just told you a few days ago how well he played in the Nike Hoop Summit. And it turns out now that he's not coming to Duke. Uh, he has he is is re-entering his name for consideration at other schools. There's already some rumors that uh, Louisville may be in contention, where Nolan Smith, of course, is an assistant coach. There is a rumor that he might be looking at St. John's. There's a rumor that he might be looking at Kentucky. So th- there is no shortage of suitors. Hey, I'm I'm hearing a lot of uh, G League elite and overtime elite, and you know that kind of stuff. All of that, all of that is on the table for Mackenzie and Baco. So maybe Jason, give me the the reaction to finding out that that Mbako isn't coming to Duke next year. And, you know, whether this is in the context of Filipowski returning or not, this is Duke losing what we thought was going to be a top 10 recruit on the team next season with size, athleticism, uh, a few really mature elements to his game that we were all pretty excited about. Uh, you know what, Sam? I know you were tossing to me, but let's let Donald go because we got him back and, and his internet Donald, is so spotty. Donald. Talk to us about Mackenzie Mbako, man. Yeah, so Sam, I think when you mentioned at the top of the show that these kind were kind of linked, it felt like that based on when he announced, right? It seemed like he announced, what, five minutes after Kyle Filipowski announced he was coming back. But when you look further into it in some of the the message boards and, and the people who are kind of have, have connections to the program, it sounds like that they weren't all that connected. And it feels like, you know, Mackenzie Mbako, and, and this is, is Jason, you just mentioned it. We talked about him yesterday at length uh, about what he did in the Nike Hoop Summit and how excited we were to see him do that in a Duke uniform. And it seems like the the backlog of guys that could be competing for playing time with him, he, he feels like he wants to be a guy who wants to be one and done. So that's kind of why he's opened up his commitment. I don't think it has necessarily anything to do with Kyle Filipowski coming back but I feel like that it also kind of the, the, the naysayers, the people out there are kind of saying that it was very much unconnected. The problem was he announced at a time that made it feel like it was connected to Kyle Soposky coming back. And then when you hear about some of the things, you know, some of the places that he's considering, namely Louisville, 
uh, and then G League Ignite, it seems like he's on a path where he feels like he wants to prepare for the NBA and he wants to get as many minutes as possible. And no matter whether Kyle Filipowski was coming back or not, that was always going to be something that he would have to compete for in this lineup. And I'm not saying that he didn't want to compete for minutes uh, or that he's not a competitor or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all. But it feels like he's on a path where he wants to get as many minutes as possible, and that wasn't necessarily guaranteed uh, with him in a Duke uniform, and he wanted to explore his options elsewhere. So, I mean, honestly, this isn't the first time we've seen guys get all the way to this point and then back out of a, a national you know, letter of intent uh, to Duke. And, you know, we, we've seen it before where guys have decided to come to Duke and then later on said, hey, I want to go somewhere else and get released. It's always, you know, let bygones be bygones and and we go our separate ways and, and we, and we you know, say we wish him well. But, I mean, I, I don't know where he ends up. I don't know what in, what becomes of him. But hopefully this, he chooses the path that's best for him and, you know, best of luck to him in that. So I, I think Donald is 100% right about the fact that this is not Mackenzie Mbako shying away from a challenge. I've seen a lot of people say that that's the case. I don't think, you know, I'm not going to get into what sources have told me or anything like that, but I really do not think that Mackenzie Mbako is like, oh, wait, Kyle Filipowski coming back? I don't want to deal with that. I will say that I think it's possible, possible, that Duke recognized that that may not have been the best situation for Mackenzie Mbako. I mean, let's let's think back you know, on the cautionary tale that was Jalen Johnson, who maybe didn't get quite the role that he wanted at Duke, and and his season at Duke did not did not turn out at all the way that he had hoped or the way that Duke had hoped. Let's, you know, it, it is possible that Duke may have recognized that maybe Mackenzie Mbako and this Duke team weren't the best fit. Mackenzie, as Donald said, Mackenzie has one and done ambitions, and. Would he really have been happy mostly playing backup minutes to Kyle Filipowski and Mark Mitchell? And I know there are people, there are Duke fans out there who are like, oh, wait, I can construct a lineup that also has Mackenzie and Baco in it. You know, oh, if Duke doesn't go after a five, we can move Kyle Filipowski to the five or, or you know, oh, maybe Mitchell comes off the bat. Look, there are all these things that you can try and construct. But but the truth is, the way the Duke roster is set up right now, it it's kind of tough to find the kind of minutes that Mackenzie and Baco probably deserves and is expecting to get in college and i want to be clear i would love to have him it would be great if duke had a guy of this caliber coming off the bench even if it only was for 15 or so minutes per game but i'm not sure that's the best thing for mackenzie umbaco and then the other side of the of all this is this and sam maybe i'm crazy you may go are you really saying this but i'm going to go ahead and say it i think that maybe we are trading one year of Mackenzie Mbako, because he's a one-and-done kind of player. At least that's how he envisions himself, and that's what his talent sort of dictates. We're trading maybe one year of Mackenzie Mbako for five-plus years of TJ Power and Sean Stewart. Because I think that we've talked about the, the, the sort of minute crunch that's created by the guys that Duke has um, coming back. And it's going to be exacerbated by Duke picking up a, a, a five, uh, you know, a big man, because Duke wants Kyle Filipowski playing the four. Kyle Filipowski's not coming back to Duke to play center. He's coming back to play power forward. So it the, the minute crunch is going to be exacerbated by that. Well, it may be that by removing Mackenzie Mbako, we create pockets of minutes, I don't know, seven, 10, maybe as much as 15 for TJ Power and Sean Stewart, who are both guys who look like they will be at Duke for multiple seasons. Both guys who look like 
really impressive players that maybe just aren't quite ready to take a huge role as a freshman, but could be very, very good as sophomores. And man, if you keep those kind of kids till they're juniors, damn, I mean, you got, you're back in the national title hunt again, for sure with those guys. So rather than looking at this and going, oh no, we're losing McKenzie, maybe look at it and go, we're gaining experience, development, and potentially years of career from TJ Power and Sean Stewart. And by the way, I'm hearing from everybody who's seen him that TJ Power is going to surprise people. I have a few thoughts on this, I think. I'm not going to take quite the same, like, wish you well, would have loved to see you in a Duke uniform attitude towards Mbako. And look, Jason, I'm not, I don't want to say like, screw him he's he's bailing on duke there is an element of this if if it is a direct wait wait sam i'm gonna jump in really fast and tell you something i'm not convinced that this was mbako's decision so right so it was knowing that we will never get the full story on this it does feel to me like the mbako and filipowski news are related in some way or another and a part of me would have been really hyped if mckenzie mbako said something to the effect of I see that Kyle Filipowski is coming back, and I am excited to share the front court with him as we dominate college basketball and win a national championship. I understand that these guys are, when when they're in college, they're all in development mode. They're all looking at the NBA, whether it's a guy who's like a surefire first-round pick or a guy who is like a fringe NBA player. They are all eyes on the prize. They want to play professional basketball at the highest level possible, and they will stop at nothing for that. Let me reserve judgment then on like maybe maybe this is the right thing for Mbako's career, but let's look ahead a year or two and 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 see how he's doing. There is a part of me that feels like going to Duke, and look, I know that this is coming from a Duke Homer perspective. Going to Duke is is great prep for being in the NBA. You're playing against other guys that are also uh harboring NBA aspirations, very like top-tier NBA aspirations. You're playing for a coaching staff that at least currently doesn't have like a ton of NBA experience, but has a little bit of NBA experience and has a ton of NBA connections and, and is able to get you the best feedback possible about what aspects of your game you need to work on. And you're in a program that has as many connections as anybody in terms of, Hey, here are all these GMs who like Duke guys who, who want guys who have been through this program. The program is set up very professionally. So it's hard for me to envision that there are many places that are definitely better to prepare you for going to the NBA than being at Duke. Maybe that's the case at Kentucky. You know, maybe Rick Pitino is going to turn St. John's into that, but there just aren't that many programs. All that being said, like, I don't know if this is the right move for Mackenzie Mbako. I am looking at the roster, Jason, and I kind of come to the same conclusion that you do, which is one Generally speaking, I, I will trade almost any player for sophomore Kyle Filipowski, especially any player that had any chance of being on next year's Duke team. Oh, so yeah. if this is like a, yeah. a one-for-one trade, I'll take it. And looking down the roster, I, I think you make a, a potentially really valid point that there are more minutes available now for other players. Let's see how how all of them do. It is going to be a little bit, you know, depending on if Duke is able to get a center in the transfer portal, it'll be a little bit of a weird roster construction if if John Shire insists for his NBA development on putting Kyle Filipowski at the four so that there is somebody maybe slightly smaller than Kyle Filipowski technically playing center uh, because Ryan Young's not playing 30 minutes at center next year. But you know what? 
if that's the if that's the biggest problem with Duke's roster, I think John Shire will take that, especially in an era where it's so hard to to build a roster with exactly the type of players that you want. Even if Duke doesn't bring in the center, I actually feel pretty confident that John Shire and his staff like what their roster looks like. So we obviously we'll see, right? We we don't know how how Flip is going to play with any of these guys. We don't know exact. We don't know much about what we're getting in TJ Power because we haven't gotten to see him much in the you know in the, in the spring All Star circuit. And if you take my view on things, all these recruits sound great on paper. I don't really care until I see him in a Duke uniform or until I see him on a on a college court playing against other college players. But this could actually work out really well for Duke in terms of roster construction. So, Sam, two things I would say. The first one is this. You, you mentioned that you wish Mackenzie Mbako really wanted to come to Duke, even if he was going to get limited playing time. There, there are simply some players who, the way their game works, they need to have the ball in their hands a good bit. They need to get, you know, multiple minutes, like minutes in big chunks, that that their game just doesn't work as a complementary kind of player. So... Uh, and and I've heard from people and and just based on watching him and the such that Mackenzie Mbako is kind of that kind of player and that the idea that oh well we'll plug him in for five minutes here and there and and he'll be you know the third option on the floor that that's that's really not that's not a great way for Mackenzie Mbako to develop what he's going to be at the next level and and be what he can be in college so in that regard Duke doesn't make sense for him and then the other thing is. This kind of thing has happened to Duke in the past, as we've mentioned. And every time it does, it sort of feels like it works out. <laughs> like we lost Boogie Ellis because Cassius Stanley report re, uh, committed to Duke fairly late. Cassius Stanley turned out to be a better college player than Boogie Ellis did. We we lost Henry Coleman when Theo John came in. Frankly, I, I love Henry Coleman as a person. And, and I, I, I'd love it if the guy was still in the program, but Let's be honest. Theo John was more valuable to that team than Henry Coleman was, and and frankly, it's th that same spot is now being taken up by Ryan Young. I feel like Ryan Young did things last year that Theo that uh, sorry that Henry Coleman probably wouldn't have done. Every time this kind of thing happens, I, I feel like it it ends up working out pretty nicely for Duke. So I I just I can't get I'm not going to get that upset about it. Butterfly flaps its wings, and Cassius Stanley throws down a few mean dunks. There you go, you know, baby. like. That that that's how it works here. So, all right. Well, with that, uh, let's go ahead. And, let's get Donald in one more time. I think Donald, Donald is Donald, trying. Can you say anything? Yeah. So, there's a couple things I wanted to point out. One, I think we have the Jalen Johnson situation, right? Like, I think one of you guys mentioned it again. Apologies because it's been spotty. I don't think we have that kind of situation. However, it's better to find this out now than to find this out in January, right? Like. I'd rather have someone understand or at least, you know, a mutual agreement that, hey, this is not the best situation and, and maybe we need to go our separate ways. I'd rather they find this out now than before he shows up, goes through the whole drill, and then in January figures out he made he made a mistake or at least thinks in his mind that he made a mistake and whatever happens, right? And if you remember, that that used to happen a lot. We used to have guys that would come in and in December, uh, back in the old rules, they would transfer. Because they wanted, they were like, "Hey, I made this mistake, and I, I'm not even going to complete the rest of the season with this team. I want to move on, and let's do it right now." And we've had it's funny in a lot of these years uh, that we won national championships, we had guys who, you know, transferred midseason in those years. And I, I think now it's better to just say, "Hey, 
if this is not going to work, and, and Jason, I agree with you. I think this might not be a situation where it's 100% Mbako saying, hey, I need to move on. It might have been, you know, Duke in a way saying, hey, this situation may not be a, as good a fit for you now as it was yesterday. And now we, you know, we should examine our options and you should examine your options. But at the end of the day, I'd rather the biggest thing that happened today, we got the biggest recruit in the entire in the entirety of college basketball, and his name is Kyle Filipowski. Preach, baby. That's what I'm excited about. He's the biggest recruit. Him coming back means that Duke is a top three team, maybe number one. You could put us number one if you want. I'll take that target and put it on my back because we already have it. But Kyle Filipowski coming back trump anything else that happened today or throughout this entire process because I think with him back in this lineup, we are a very dangerous team, and you're looking at with Tyrese Proctor, you're looking at a guy who's going for National Defensive Player of the Year honors, ACC Defensive Player of the Year honors. He's going to be one of the best point guards in the country. You, you might have Roach come back. You have Mark Mitchell coming back, who, again, could also be competing for those Defensive Player of the Year awards. And then you have Kyle Filipowski, who could be the best player in, in the entirety of college basketball next year. And if we have all those guys on this team, coupled with this incredible class that's coming in, keep in mind this class is still incredible without Mackenzie and Baco factoring into it. If you have these guys coming back and they can gel as a team, like I said, this is the first time in the John Shire era, and again, we're in year two, that he can say that we should go for it. We should go for every single prize. We should walk in there like we're the big, you know, the big sticks of the entire Valley, and we should go get some titles. We should raise some banners with this championship squad. That's what the goal is this year. And now we have that pressure. Now we have that expectation. I am so thrilled to have that target back on our backs in a big way. Let's see what this team does with it. All right. I got one question and one comment before we get out of here. My question is, is Mackenzie Mbako going to be the best dude who signed with Duke, who never played with Duke? Uh, that that title, I think, either belongs to Sean Livingston or uh, Chris Kardashian, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I think Chris Humphreys. <laughs> yeah, I think Chris Humphreys is Excuse me, Humphreys. Yeah, it, it's either Chris Humphreys or Sean Livingston, and I'm not. I don't think that Mbako quite gets to their level of play. Both those guys were longtime NBA players, very good NBA players, and and I, I'm not sure Mbako ever quite gets there. So we'll, we'll no, we'll, we'll see, no, no, we'll no. See about Hang that on. one. Hang on. No, Chris Jeff Chris Humphreys is not in that list. There's one. There's one guy on that list. His name is Sean Livingston. He is by far the best player that has signed with Duke and never played. He's a multiple NBA champion. He, he's been on a ton of teams and he has led some of those teams throughout the year. And despite the fact that he had, you know, one of the most gruesome injuries in NBA history and came back from that, the, the drop, drop Chris Humphreys, whatever his last name is these days, off that list. It's, it's, it's Sean Livingston. All right. My final comment. If Mackenzie Mbako enrolls at St. John's, as is rumored right now, where Rick Patino is now coaching. No, Louisville, Louisville's the bigger rumor. I'm telling you, Louisville's sure. the bigger rumor. I, I understand yep. that Louisville's the bigger rumor, but but St. John's is, is in the mix, it seems like. If that does happen, like like it so if he goes to Louisville, Duke is going to play against Mackenzie and Baco next year. Yeah. If he goes to St. John's and St. John's is being coached by Rick Patino, when do we get to refire up that rivalry? Like, can we sign that up yesterday? I I I I, like we had to suffer through so many years of crappy St. John's playing with all these all these coaches that didn't amount to anything. Duke would go to the Garden, they'd whack St. John's, 
the stadium would be full of Duke fans. No one was there to support uh, the, the the Storm or the Johnnies or whatever they whatever they call them. With Rick Pitino in the building and and Mackenzie and Baco on the team, I am in for the renewal of that rivalry. Yo, look, we just reignited the uh, rivalry with Arizona. We're playing. Yeah, them home I love home. that. I love it. Yeah, I, I I told you guys that like one of the many things that I that I love about the John Shire era is that Duke is going to play road games again. This is so much fun. So fire, I'm fired up. Hey, uh, hey for all by the this. way, topic that we will not get to today, and we will probably never discuss. Does Duke bring back Proctor, Mitchell, and Filipowski if Coach K is still the head coach? Is John Shire approaching things differently because this never happened under Coach K? Never happened under Coach K, and now suddenly John Shire's here, and everybody's coming back. Yeah, yes, I <laughs> I believe yes is is the answer to your question. Okay, okay, but, but maybe maybe we'll touch that later. That that's actually a fun fun hypothetical that that I think we could we could spend another fifteen it's, minutes. It's on. the it's the kind of thing that I would love to get a guest who could maybe think about it a little more deeply than we can. Jason, <laughs> because you, I didn't because I didn't hear your 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 hypothesis. Uh, I'm going to say let's reserve for when I have better internet. Uh, if you, dear listener, have uh, crazy, potentially heretical, hypothetical uh, ideas, email them to us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. I don't know when we'll be back. Who knows? Who knows? The, 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 the news is coming in, in weird intervals at this point. So we'll just say until next time, for Jason Evans and for Donald Wine, I'm Sam Klein. This has been episode 511 of the Duke Basketball Roundup podcast. Duke band, take us home.
give you a big Labor Day surprise. Most people think if we all exercise the same and eat the same, we'd all look the same. And let me tell you why that's wrong. Your body is unique and your metabolism is unique. I'm Lacey Green, and I'm a super trainer at Body. That's B-O-D-I dot com. And you can't see me, but I don't look like your average personal trainer. I'm curvy, and I'm proud of it. So I created a program for beginners only on the Body app to show people like us how to get incredible results and be our version of happy and healthy. This isn't just workout videos. It's people like you and me. It's community. It's incredible trainers. It's easy to follow nutrition and mindset experts to help you reduce stress and just feel better. And you can get started with my new program called For Beginners Only. Now, here's the big surprise. If you go to body.com right now, that's B-O-D-I.com, not only can you get everything Body has to offer at 50% off with an annual membership, you'll also get an additional 20% off, but only during Labor Day weekend. Let's do this together. Go to body.com. That's body with an I.com.